All right. Hey, everybody. Um, hope you're doing well, staying safe amidst the outbreak. Uh, I'm joined today by uh, a friend of a friend, um, Daniel Lentz, who is a consultant with Leaders Advantage down in uh, South Carolina um, and a grad student at Clemson University, which is also the University of uh, Hillary Smith, who I just recently spoke with. Um, Welcome to the to the conversation, Daniel. How are you doing today? I'm excellent, excellent. Um, I just appreciate you uh, you allowing me to do this. How's everything up there in Pittsburgh? Uh, well, it's it's very strange. So it's uh, like 70 degrees and rainy and overcast as usual. That's probably the most normal, common right. thing with Pittsburgh. But our state is in damn near total shutdown. So uh, it's, yep. it's very peculiar. Um, we're just, we're getting by. I'm here with my family, staying safe and playing lots of Nintendo. Yeah. A lot of Nintendo. Uh, I have a personal goal for myself. I don't know if, if, if you play Nintendo at all, but uh, in Super Mario Odyssey, um, you have the opportunity to collect a thousand power moons I am at 786 collected. So by the end of this outbreak, I will have all thousand collected. That's, that's really impressive, actually. That's my personal goal. And then to also get 9,999 coins so I can get Mario in the skeleton costume. Oh, I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah, yeah. In, in Odyssey, you can get... You basically collect coins and then you buy the different costumes. Oh. And uh, there's like a zombie Mario. There's yep. a pilot Mario. Uh, yeah, there's a there's a whole bunch of different types of Mario. And, uh, my daughter actually just made me beat the game again. So <laughs> now I'm just trying to collect coins and beat the side missions and stuff like that. So right. how are you handling it? You know, life is, uh, life is different to say the least, you know, right now it's 75 sunny blue skies and grocery stores are out of toilet paper. So that's, <laughs> that's unfortunate. I'm not a planner, so yeah. I just need toilet paper. Just, you know, generally, In general, uh, <laughs> oh, no. yeah, I just need a roll or two. So we'll see how you know, that's, like. you know, what's interesting is that, and I don't know if many people can consider this, but, um, if, you're, if you're out of toilet paper, which most people are buying, look to the alternatives. So like baby wipes. Yep. Um, they're more expensive, but you know, I think it'll, well, I don't need to get into the specifics, but right. <laughs> uh, you might find them more available. And then also hardware stores um, generally have products like that, napkins, paper towels, stuff like that. You wouldn't think they would, but typically they do. Um, so that's a good source to, uh, to check out as well. Yeah. I need to so, take notes now. This has now become the life survivals podcast with Daniel and RJ. Uh, we'll just forget all of the, all of the other stuff that we were going to talk about. Yeah. So camping <laughs> question mark. <laughs> Don't do it. Uh, yeah, actually, uh, I have a friend who lives out in uh, Pacific Northwest, uh, just out in the woods and he's like the safest person ever. Uh, cause he doesn't see anyone for weeks at a time. Right. So, so this is, this is just a day in, uh, or a day in normal life there. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of days in the in the in the normal life of Daniel Lentz, uh, tell me a little bit about your uh, your job and then also your uh, grad school experience. Yeah. So uh, I'll start with uh, I'll start with my job first. So I uh, was originally working for a local nonprofit down in Hilton Head, South Carolina, and uh, after about four years with that company, I decided to switch gears. And I approached a family friend of mine who works for a company called Leaders Advantage. It's a leadership development company. And essentially what they do is, I'm sure you've heard of DISC uh, or Myers-Briggs or the Enneagram, mm -hmm. things like that. So we have our own assessment called the My Hardwired. It's three-dimensional. And so what we do is we allow individuals to take that assessment and they get the results immediately. And it's typically in a business, in a business world. And so what we'll do is we'll go into the business, we'll sit everybody down and look at everybody's assessment and talk individually about who you are as a person and then how you relate to those individuals that are sitting around the table with you. Basically what we do is we help everybody play nice with one another. Mm -hmm. And then we have a leader's challenge course, which is a three day course that we go into and really dive down into the My Hardwired profile. We talk about, how to be productive, how you're motivated, how you learn, do some team bonding, team, your team building activities. And, you know, we've just seen a lot of fruit from that. So from a consulting standpoint, that's really what we, uh, what we do with that, with that company. And so it could be fortune 500 companies, nonprofits, uh, individual consultants, or even people who just want to know a little bit about themselves. So we use it in relationships. Uh, my family has one. And so in our home, we actually have uh, four, different, uh, four different assessments. And so mm -hmm. we know how everybody operates, how we listen, how we learn, how we prefer to communicate, and just how Interesting. we work. So, yeah, so that's kind of a little bit about the work environment. Um, as far as grad school, grad school has been a really, really wild ride. <laughs> and so I'll tell you a little bit about it. You know, I just want to give you as much information as possible. But Please do. Yeah. Uh, when I, I never thought grad school was going to be an option for me. I grew up, I had a learning disability in high school. Well, middle school and high school, I had professors tell me, you know, you're not even going to go to college. Don't try to go to college. Uh, and so I actually took, um, well, I flunked out for two years of undergrad. And then I came back to school, got my undergraduate degree. So grad school really was never in the cards because undergrad was a Hail Mary. When mm -hmm. I graduated, it was, it was the biggest deal. And so I came across this program at Clemson. It was the uh, Master's in Science and Marketing. I was looking over it, and I called them because I didn't really want to take the GRD. I wasn't yeah. very confident that I could, I could get in with a, with a decent score. So I reached out to the professor. He said, don't worry about it. Come on and I just apply. So I put yeah. in my application and this was probably in late April. Uh, or sorry, I met with him in October because I believe in meeting with somebody and telling them your story, you know, because I wasn't confident really that I had the ability to get in based on just a, in, or a paper, somebody reading a piece of paper about me. And sure. so he contacted me in April and said, Daniel, I need you to apply. I said, fine, I'll throw it out there. So I sent my application and then I got the call in early May and they said, welcome to Clemson. And so off I went from Hilton Head to Clemson. 
when I first got there, I didn't really know what to expect, but mm -hmm. it was a summer, fall, spring, and then, you know, this year it would be, or May is when I will, I will end up graduating. But our summer was very, very different because, well, for a couple things, I didn't realize that in a degree in marketing that particularly to a master's program, there were multiple people from all kinds of different backgrounds. Right. We had an archaeologist or a geologist. We had a foreign exchange student. I was an English uh, undergrad. We had all kind, just all kinds of different backgrounds. Well, this summer, our, or sorry, the past summer when we started, our professor had to medically withdraw from one of our classes. And so there was a two-week gap where we didn't have, I think it was two weeks, it was about a two-week gap where we didn't have that class. And then we had another professor come in and, you know, they, they essentially said, well, I don't really know what you're, you were learning, but we'll just kind of put something together for you. And then, you know, we go, we move into the fall semester and there were a lot of professors who were asking us, well, what do you guys want to learn? And I've never been in that, that type of environment. I've been more sure. in the structured, this is what you're going to learn. This is how it's going to be. But we, you know, one of the major takeaways for me as a non-marketing undergrad is I was able to really connect on a personal level with a lot of my professors and a lot of them were very encouraging. It's not really a weed out type of program where either you make it or you don't. It's, hey, we want to bring right. everybody to the same place. And so I think one of the greatest, one of the, the, I guess, the reason that the experience has been so uh, encouraging to me is because a lot of time in academia, you see we're going to present 100% of the, the information and we're going to see how high people can reach it. You know, do they read it at an 80%, a 90%, a 50%? Where do they kind of end up? And the way that this program has been designed is it's more, we're going to give you this much information. Does everybody understand it? Yes. Then we're going to give you this much and then mm -hmm. this much and then this much. Progressively level up. Yeah. And then everybody's yeah. on the same page. And so I think that that has been one of the, one of the, the factors for me that has proved uh, just most encouraging over my tenure in this program. So I, I really like the story that, that you're telling, especially since you're coming from a place of weakness and you're building that into a strength and that right. strength develops over a period of self-discovery. Um, I never took the SATs. Um, I got into, uh, so there's an interesting conversation to be had with, with some people before they enter something. So for example, um, most people, in fact, practically anyone can get into a community college regardless of, right. you know, SAT scores. So, um, for me, what I had done was I, I never bothered taking the SATs. I knew I was, I was accepted to a tech school, uh, the July following, um, the month after I graduated high school, basically. And, um, in fact, no, if I recall correctly, I knew where I was going before I graduated. And then I moved to Pittsburgh in that July and did my associate degree, transferred into a four-year institution, never took any, uh, you know, entry tests or exams or anything like that. 
and I got into a master's program without having to take any GREs. Oh, wow. And I got into a PhD program without having to take any standardized testing either. So if you feel like you're going to cap out at the master's, guess what, my friend? You may not. Uh, That's what everybody tells me. Yeah. And, and I'll, I think I'll personally challenge you to say, like, even if you don't want to go for a PhD, just apply just to see if you can get there. Right. right. Um, and, you know, ultimately for me, I discovered that the, the, the PhD track that I was in was really not meant for me and, and I dropped the program, but um, it didn't really matter for my career anyway. But nevertheless, like, you know, there is a lot of adversity to face when you purposely uh, don't follow the, the, the track, the build track to get to these oh. places. You take the long way around or maybe you take the way with all the different curves. But uh, I mean, you know, I, I think maybe I can speak for you as well as myself when I say this, but like the, lo the, ro the road less traveled um, gave me such a better appreciation of what I learned and my experience. 100%, absolutely. So you're going to graduate in May and you're also one of those people that's going to graduate into an economy and market that may, that has no idea where it's at or what it's going to do. Um, but you've embraced sort of your entrepreneurial spirit and you're embarking out there on your own. Do you have any particular concerns for what, what your life looks like after you graduate? Not at all. None? zero <laughs> that's good like stay positive you're a glass half full kind of guy i take it you know it's funny you say that i think i'm more of a realist and yeah. um you know over the course of my career i've surrounded myself with people who are much more intelligent than i am and i've just sought wisdom from them and uh one of the one of the special women in my life she uh was my first big boss and mm -hmm. she told me that she said daniel you are like a ping pong ball <laughs> and she said, you just you just bounce all over the place right and so she said there is no circumstance that i would ever be worried about you and so that's really the approach that i take is that mm -hmm. you know sure the the economy might be bad it's coronavirus there's all these different things that could happen there's always going to be something and we're just going to keep bouncing around until we fall where right. we need yeah. I mean, everyone's trying to figure this stuff out and where their place in the world is. I mean, especially like working from home, uh, for some people, they've never done it. They don't even know how, uh, I've actually found most of my time, uh, has not actually been spent on my job, uh, but spent guiding and coaching others just how to acclimate to yeah. working remotely. Um, and you know, that's, quite the responsibility because it has nothing to do with capability and intelligence and everything to do with, yeah. you know, uh, emotional intelligence and empathy and just understanding how that creates anxiety with some people. Right. Um, it's really quite interesting. Um, you know, I was, uh, chatting with my wife earlier today about how we're getting, so from a marketing and communications angle, we're getting up-to-date information as soon as it's released and we're getting it in a wide variety or a wide array of points. So we're seeing it on TV, listening to it on the radio, seeing it on social media, 
it's hitting our phones. I mean, it's always kind of around us, right? But the one thing I haven't seen, and just because I haven't seen it doesn't mean I don't believe it, but I actually haven't seen like pictures of like how overcrowded like hospitals are, and right. especially in like other countries. And um, it's, it's very surreal because we're experiencing the influence of this outbreak in a really kind of a solitary way. It's like stay in your house and just pretend and don't even pretend, but just assume that everything else a mile away is on fire and is chaos. Right. <laughs> right? It almost feels like yeah. a movie. It, yeah. It definitely you has know? that, that vibe to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> Oh man, like this is, this is the part where they're just like looking at just in my home and we're just kind of hanging out, but like everything is on fire and, and there's <laughs> panic. Right you know, at the local Walmart or wherever. So imagine like if, if you live in like a really kind of rundown community and, you know, it looks like the walking dead, you know, every day. And now that this is happening, like it kind of feels like it. it's very spooky. Oh, uh, <laughs> but yeah. nevertheless, uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, I've been spending a good portion of my time sending messages to students about, how uh, the business college is reacting to uh, all of the coronavirus outbreak and what's shutting down, who's accessible, et cetera. From the student perspective, and this, I'm genuinely interested in this, from the student perspective, how are you interpreting all of these different types of messages that you're getting? Are you talking about from the, from the school? From your school, yeah. I mean, not, it doesn't matter what they're saying, but it's just like, how's it hitting you? How's that affecting your, your perspective on, on life and learning and working, et cetera? You know, it's, I just think it's different. It's really because I've never experienced anything like this. And it, it almost, like I understand it, but from a, from a university perspective, it almost seems like it's almost like a calming message. Mm -hmm. We're getting messages. There are no cases. There are no cases. There are no, no cases where that's pretty much the updates that we've been receiving. There's okay. no cases, there's no cases, you know, and then it's, I'm sorry to inform you, but we're going to go all online. We believe that the professors have everything under control. And so right. it really just seems like a stock, like a, almost like a template. Okay. Of, of just kind of, Hey, this is kind of what everybody else is sending out. This is what we're going to send, send out. Um, but as far as the way it's hitting me, I think that it's really difficult for me because I'm seeing what's going on in the news and I'm seeing what's going on in society. And then I'm seeing what's going on in education and it just, those parallels seem yeah. to be more perpendicular. Yeah. Then, there, there, there's a really unique contrast in that respect. Right. And so yeah. I think that, you know, I'm just kind of, I'm almost taking it with a grain of salt and just saying, you know, okay, yep, we're online. Got it. You mm. know, and because it's not a, you know, I read, I was actually watching the news and, I think I was reading an article on LinkedIn and it, it said, it's not a matter of if it comes here, it's a matter of when it comes here. Right. And so I think so much, we try to create this bubble around us. It's not going to happen to me. It's not going to happen to us until it does. And right. then we're, we're, you know, shocked and everybody's going, Oh man, like I never saw this coming. And it's <laughs> right. like, what do you mean you didn't see this coming? 
You know, mm-hmm. I believe, what was it? Ohio State, Seattle, or um, Washington, Cal. Those yeah. schools were shutting down probably two weeks before we were even told about anything. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know? um, but, you know, you know, like I said, it's kind of hard because it's, oh, well, we're going to be online till April 5th. And I'm sitting here going, these, the, you know, you're, the NBA is suspended. The NCAA is suspended. You know, I'm watching all my friends who are student athletes being sent home. And then it's like, you know, we just got the email yesterday, last right. night, that we're all online when these schools have been shutting down. So I just feel like, I don't know, for me personally, I'm not trying to get political or anything like that, but it just feels like we're almost late to the party, you know, sure. as, a, as a country, you know, because we yeah. saw all these things happening and then it's, oh, well, we're here now, but what could have been done? What could have been done? way before this you know you're going to cancel classes when everybody's on spring break mm-hmm. like uh you know yeah. now people are going home coming back and then going back so if you're in california you bought a plane ticket to go to california and now you have to come back and get your stuff and then go back to california for the next six months right assuming you're not stuck there so uh that brings up a good point like i was supposed to be in new orleans to do a presentation and my wife had said, like, you know, if you go down there, you might not be able to come back. Right. And I'm like, that's actually a very salient point. I didn't think about that. And that's why yep. that's one of the reasons why I didn't go. Um, but, uh, you know, to your point with, with without getting political, which I certainly can, but like, could have something could more have been done? Absolutely. Could have been done faster. Yes. Um, and if you know, if, if you're watching this and you don't agree with that, all you really have to do is look at the facts to see how unprepared we were. Um, so, you know, from, from my point of view with like being a person that communicates with students, like I wanted to be, I want to be as prepared as possible, but I can only go so far with what I've got. Um, so like right now with the, the, the business school, like it's basically just listen to what central marketing says, pay attention to their messages and fall in line, shut down your social media. So it's not, does it come off as tone deaf and insensitive and um, just try to roll with it as best you can. Yeah. And I, and I think even so, like, even if it's, I don't think it's necessarily a, an agree or disagree. Yeah. It, it can even be something as simple as just asking the question. You know, could something have been done differently? Sure. You know, and I think that when you look at it from a, you know, instead of being subjective about everything and having strong viewpoints on like, oh, this is what we should have done. As I just feel like everybody becomes, you know, um, like everybody becomes an expert in these times, you know? Oh, for sure. Every, yeah. Everybody right yeah. now can tell me everything about the coronavirus and, or, you know, some people might, not everybody, I don't want to make rash generalizations but even this moment it's not about necessarily being an expert but it's just saying like hey we saw some of this could this been different can we make changes now how can this be different you think things like that i think would be Mm -hmm. just helpful but nonetheless we are where we're at now so now it's just a matter of trying to thrive within this environment so you know on that same theme but switching gears a little bit you you your career was built on a place of adversity so maybe you've had to you've 
seen more unique challenges. You've had to learn things very specific ways in order for them to stick. So you retain it. Um, I, I myself had a similar path. Um, I, I didn't have a learning disability, but I have a physical disability. So that presented some challenges. Um, and just the, the idea of, of struggle and how you dealt with it and how the, the world that you and my students are entering upon graduation, like what's your best advice for handling those challenges and overcoming them? So to get more specific, this could relate to, well, you know, I was highly ranked in my class, but I can't get a job. What do I do with myself? Or, you know, the jobs that are out there aren't jobs that I'm interested in. Should I just go do something else? What, what are, what are you, what's your intuition on this? So a couple of things. Number one, be a sponge. And just realize that there are a lot of people that have a wealth of knowledge way more than you do. Mm-hmm. And for me personally, surrounding yourself with those individuals, seeking those individuals out and seeking that wisdom from them and just taking all the information you can is, was very helpful for me in my career. And because I came in thinking, oh, like I can, this is going to be easy. I can do all this stuff. But having people say, you know, let, let me help you. So sure. I think it's a combination of being surrounded by that and also being selfless. I, I think the reason that I am where I am today is being selfless and in no matter the situation. And so I want to expand upon that a little bit. And so, you know, when you, when you hear things like, oh, I deserve $60,000 out of, out of college, I sure. deserve my dream job. I deserve these things. That type of mindset, I've noticed people aren't really turned on by that type of, of, uh, of behavior. So mm-hmm. a couple examples is when I was in Hilton Head, I ran into uh, just this couple, struck up a conversation. They were looking for live music. So I knew a friend of mine had a restaurant, called the restaurant. I said, hey, I booked you guys reservations. I stopped by, the re- you know, I stopped by their dinner that night, later that night. And I just said, hey, you know, how's everything going? How's the dinner? You know, how's the live music? They said, everything is great. I said, great. All I wanted to do is just come by and, and say hey to you. And she said, or she looked at me, the wife did, and said, hey, uh, if you ever, she goes, you know, you're just a super nice young man. If there's anything I can do for you, let me know. And I said, oh, okay. Well, it turns out she was a vice president of a Fortune 500 company. And, she, <laughs> and yeah. I met her when I was playing volleyball. I was sweaty. I was sandy. I was disgusting. And I said, oh, well, if I would have known that, I would have, you know, I would have spoken different. I would have acted a little bit different. And she said, no, sure. you're, you're great. And so I've connected with her. She's helped me do my resume. She's tossed my resume out to her, her colleagues, her network. Sure. Um, and so really just that kindness was really, really helpful um, for me. And then when I went to my first job, I came in. Uh, it was a nonprofit. I came in with all these ideas. You know, I came in, I'm like, we need to do this. We need to do this. We need to do this. And soon to be my favorite person, the associate director sat me down and said, Daniel, shut up for for, for the first six months. Shut up. Don't say anything. And I was like, okay. And what she was trying to tell me is that, Daniel, you don't know everything. 
Mm. And so you need to start from the bottom. You need to learn sure. about the organization. You need to find out what we have done. And then you bring your ideas for, forward. Mm-hmm. So I think that those probably are going to be the two. Um, if I had to pinpoint two things, I, I think that it would be, you know, to realize that, you um, know, to be selfless, you know, and to really um, surround yourself with people who can, who can influence you. You know, that's such great advice because I've had some amazing uh, career opportunities, but also just personal growth opportunities when you make yourself available to things to happen to you and like make yourself available to conversations that you, you have with folks and wherever that can lead. And sometimes that won't pay off for years. Right. Um, you know, just like the other day. So I used to be a member of uh, rotary international yeah. Uh, yeah. when I ran my first company, I was a rotary member and I always loved rotary. Um, and, uh, we, we would do these shelter meals for the homeless at this place called East End Cooperative Ministry. And, um, you know, I was, a, I was in Rotary from like 2009 to 2011, and I met a whole bunch of people. And then after I left in 2011, about two years later, I ended up like doing a brand new logo and website for East End Cooperative Ministry. And that logo is on the side of their building, and it looks amazing. And everyone that's familiar with ECM that ministry sees that design and it's super cool. And uh, so just recently I met with a Rotarian and he was talking about like, yeah, we go out to ECM and you know, we, we do the shelter meals once a month. I'm like, Oh, I spent a lot of time there. He's like, how do you even know about ECM? Like, I'm like, Oh, well I designed the logo for it and everything. He's like, Oh my God, it's beautiful. Here, (laughs) I got a job for you. How much do I pay you? So like, okay, great. That, that works out. So, and that was the span of what, like a decade or so. Right. Um, so yeah. it, it really does. It, it really can pay off when you make yourself available to people like that. Um, yeah. And I think so. And I think too, if, if it's okay too, I would like to add one more thing, please. I think yeah. This is really, really imperative is to be yourself and to be, and to be comfortable in who you are and be vulnerable and be honest. And that's all encompassing on, on know who you are. Because mm-hmm. I think that when you are honest in conversations, when you are vulnerable with people, that people see that. Because in every situation that I had to overcome adversity, you know, right. it was because of those things. You know, when I went to get into Clemson, I just walked up and I had a raggedy all, all white t-shirt. It had holes in it because I, <laughs> I had just gotten up you know, right. and brushed my hair, do anything. And my hair is much shorter then, obviously, but you know, I walked into the admissions office and I sat down and I said, Hey, I just want to sit, I want to talk to the head of admissions for two minutes. And after that, I'll leave. I sat down, I said, Look, I said, I don't deserve to be here. I have a cumulative GPA of a 0.00 mm-hmm. for two years. Do I deserve to be here? No, I don't. Are there more competitive people? Yes. Do those people probably have more money and will bring more money to the university? Absolutely. Yeah. But I'm just here to be honest with you. I know that I can do this mm-hmm. and I'm just looking for a chance. And she gave it to me. It's great. You know? But I also remembered, you know, when I say remember who you are, it's just don't think about the next step. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's why when you asked me earlier about Daniel, you know, are you worried about graduation? 
I'm not because if I worry about that, it's going to take away from what I'm doing in my program. You know, sure. I left, I left an, a nonprofit where I was running an international program where I brought one of the first dementia friendly communities to America from England. Mm. I went from that to work in construction and I didn't even know how, and same thing. I walked in there. He said, Hey, tell me about your experience in construction. I said, I don't even know how to screw up. Uh, <laughs> right. I, I don't even know how yeah. to use a hammer. I can't do anything. And I said, but what I can do is I will show up and I will work hard. Mm-hmm. And he said, you, you're hired. And cool. he kept me on until I went to this, this marketing program. Told yeah. all my professors, I'm not going to be the smartest. I'm not going to be the most intelligent, but I'm going to work harder than any of the other individuals here. And I will give you 100%. And every last one of them said, here's my cell phone. Meet with me after hours. I will, I will do whatever it is to help you. Yeah. And I took advantage of that. So I think that that's a really important piece because so much we're trying to influence people and say, oh, this is who I am and this is how you should see me. And yeah. I think a lot of times people just want that raw emotion. This is who you are. Grit goes a long way. Exactly. No doubt about that. Well, um, I will go ahead and end it there. Um, just for some parting thoughts, if uh, folks are interested in learning more about you and your work and uh, Leaders Advantage, um, how can how can they reach out and find you? The best way right now is you, they can find me on LinkedIn. And so please connect me. It's Daniel Lentz. Um, and I'm sure you're going to put the contact information yes. and send that out. So LinkedIn is, is great. You can email me. Um, and if you're interested, just they can, people can send me an email. And what I like to do is set up phone conversations. I just love um, the connection with, uh, with over the phone. And so uh, I will give my personal number out to those individuals who need any help. Cool. Sounds good, Daniel. Well, uh, we'll do this again and uh, check in with you uh, hopefully sometime soon. But thanks again. And uh, congratulations on your program and graduating despite the outbreak. And uh, you're absolutely right. You know, don't let thoughts of your future affect your present. You're going to do great. Cool. Thanks. I appreciate it. Thanks, man.